John DePietro show page, and you can uh, chime in, find like-minded people, comment in real time. Uh, we were very busy, as many of you know, last night. There was a very dramatic event last night, tragic, that happened in the town of Warren. They're still trying to piece together exactly what happened. But this portion of the program on this Friday, uh, as we're getting ready to kick off, Labor Day weekend, and it's brought to you by Rhode Island's number one garden center. They have had a uh, fantastic summer. I'm not surprised. It's Debbie and Steve and Junior and Byron. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown, where right now fall is on the way. It's certainly in the air. Last night was it was a beautiful night. It was good sleeping weather, temperature comfortable. The weather today, tomorrow, fantastic. Homegrown fall mums and kale, four inch, twelve inch pots. 10, 12-inch hanging mums, ornamental peppers and straw. Plus, they still have a plentiful supply, delicious, wonderful, homegrown farm-fresh produce, including the most delicious corn you'll ever taste, plus zucchini, yellow squash, green peppers, and cucumbers. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. Well, folks, also at 1208 in the Ocean State, I um, encourage you to visit the website, petro.com. And you're going to see uh, exclusive video. <clears throat> we were first on the scene last night in different areas. Uh, it's all at depetro.com. You can scroll down a little bit. And, of course, that the website is brought to you by Soul Source Restoration. Now, listen, if you had some water damage or storm damage, Rhode Island or Massachusetts, they're there to help you out. Mike Seepy and his crew, there's a direct link. It's S-O-L-E, Soul Source Restoration, fire, smoke damage, water damage, uh, and there was a lot of it. Uh, what an incredible 24 hours between storm that was so deadly and the amount of people. It's frightening the amount of people that drowned in New York. But there's a link at the website, which is to Petro.com, and you can get in touch with me that way as well. But on the website, you will see the, um, by all accounts, you know, I received a nice uh, message from someone that met Brian Rennie and kind of a, a random type way, Warren. We have the police briefing last night. He was uh, shot dead, murdered, going into that club and murdering Warren that just broke out yesterday afternoon. And folks, as I mentioned last hour, it's just another example to me of, you know, you, you heard me talking to Lieutenant Steve Rogers and we have our soldiers overseas, right? And the 13 brave heroes that lost their lives with the the explosion at the Kabul airport. But then we have our, as I call them, our urban soldiers. And that's police. You know, let's face it. You know, Brian, um, Bristol, Warren, especially Warren, pretty quiet town. Haven't had a homicide in a very long time. And all of a sudden, uh, after a storm, I, you know, there's a shooting. Two people are shot. One people fatally shot inside this Itlow American Club. And they get a description of the gunman and Bristol police are suddenly dealing with someone where they have someone firing at them. And my point is, you know, this is another example on the, uh, by the way, website, folks, to Petro.com. As I predicted, <clears throat> the bias of the media is just so obvious. And if you check to Petro.com, I mean, I have the story and I predicted at the time I said watch I'm going to be the only one that writes about this and I was state senator Tierra Mack I, I don't even know how to describe she is the controversial black lives matter abolish the police advocate and what does she put I can't even use her language but what she basically put I blanking love abortion she she is just a disgrace and I also want to be very clear. It has nothing to do with her race or gender. I would say that about uh, anyone that proclaims something like that. If, if I just read someone said that and she posted it, I would say, you know, there's something wrong with someone that does it. The fact that she happens to be a woman of color, identifies herself as um, alternative lifestyle, Black Lives Matter, abolish the police. But a sitting state senator, and no one, no one in the media will write about it. It's also, folks, I did post also <clears throat> more on um, just on the Facebook page. But the words of Lieutenant Governor Matos 
right, as they are right now, um, you know, battling with the health care workers, Lieutenant Governor Matos, yesterday the Supreme Court refused to even hear arguments overturning Texas six-week abortion ban. Thankfully, Rhode Island wrote Roe v. Wade into our state law, codified it in 2019, misled people what it was about. But then Sabina Matos writes, we must continue to organize, educate, advocate, and then the, their line, in favor of the right to choose, in favor of the right to choose, <clears throat> except for the healthcare workers where there is a forced mandate. Now, um, I give them a lot of credit. <clears throat> and unfortunately yesterday, folks, because of the timing, I did not go to the Governor McKee COVID briefing at URI. Um, I don't like to credit, you know, I know what it's like being there. It's not very free flowing, but I think there was an opportunity to highlight that, you know, Governor McKee, they have this mandate on the workers. But what we found out yesterday, as I mentioned from the Providence Journal, they're the ones that broke it, that URI is basically doing an honor system with students and they just check a box whether or not they've been um, received the vaccine. Which, there's two parts of this. Number one, the fact that they were URI, and this is still standing with healthcare workers. And I still, I disagree with Governor McKee. I think their message of, hey, listen, it's time. Um, I, I just don't think that's very sensitive. But what really comes into play is that the URI students get to deal in the honor system. Frontline workers are being told they're going to lose their job if they don't get vaccinated by October 1st, and there is still time. The clock is ticking, but some of the type of vaccine you could get could go into next week, <clears throat> the Pfizer one. And then also, um, I believe that, well, Johnson & Johnson, obviously, that applies. But I, I believe if someone wanted to just get Pfizer, Moderna, I'll, I'll just say, I don't think they are set on October 1st, you have it, or boom, you're terminated. I read the tea leaves that they're, they're willing to give some flexibility, but the window is closing. Make no mistake about it. For your, for your, if someone wanted to and the options for the vaccine. But tomorrow night, Governor McKee is having a water fire to celebrate the frontline workers. Last year, Governor Mundo dedicated the whole thing. They had that image of the frontline worker. Well, the frontline workers are going to be protesting Governor McKee. There's, there's definitely an element of tone deafness and or... Um, they're just refusing to deal with the reality that's in front of them. You know, and I think yesterday was a good example where they, um, where the governor just wants to focus on the number of students that have received the vaccine and ignore 1,000 URI students that just checked a box, no other explanation needed as far as religious exemption. Now, You know, other schools, as I mentioned, Brown University and Providence College are far more strict. And other schools are way more strict. I think UVA, someone told 30 students bounced. Certain schools, if you are not vaccinated, you're out. No exceptions. They don't even care. No exceptions. Zero, none given, period. Private school, we're going to do what we want. You're free to go somewhere else. And, And they are allowed to do that under the law. Or at least no one's challenging it right now. Uh, don't kill the messenger here. <coughs> but if we're supposed to believe that 1,000 URI students uh, can do that. And the URI president said, well, you know, we, we want to be, in, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I get a mental block over the word inclusive. We want to be inclusive. The people that say inclusive normally, are, they're not inclusive at all. But, you know, we don't want to turn anybody off. We want to be inclusive. We want to welcome diversity. So if someone wants to check the box and not get the um, the vaccine, over 1,000? 1, 1,000 students? Over 1,000 students? That's the highest by far. Not even close. Now, Johnson & Wales, they're a private school. They don't want to offend. They don't want someone saying, you know what? Forget it then. I'll keep my money and we're not going to pay the tuition and my child from... Pick a place, New Jersey, Massachusetts, wherever, because J&W gets a lot of kids from out of state. Then guess what? Then we're not going there. <clears throat> so Johnson Wales is very flexible on that. 
What surprises me about URI is URI, since the pandemic started, and a lot of kids have to go stay closer to home, URI has upped their standards in the amount of people that go there. So that was very surprising. And the thing, again, folks, you know, I can't, I, it's, they're normally at 2 o'clock. They had it at 1. I think a very fair question that was not asked yesterday, I would have asked Dr. Scott, URI said the Department of Health failed to provide them the type of guidance they were looking for. Now, I think that should have been asked. Again, I don't like to second guess the media because I know what it's like to be there. They move very quickly um, because of the whole COVID thing and because they broadcast these press briefings. It's it's actually, I, I kind of don't like them because um, normally in a press conference, it's a, you know, it's a little more free flowing. But this, they, they walk away with the microphone and you're supposed to stop talking. I mean, I have been following that. I'm trying to respect the guidelines that they're setting up here, but um, but I don't know how that wasn't asked yesterday of Dr. Scott. And and I want to just say this to the, the frontline workers. I, I know that there's all these messages coming out. And what about the Afghan uh, refugees? I, I'm just telling you, I think if you're one of those people, I think you're... Your best bet is to cite the URI situation because the Department of Health is in charge of that. Now, granted, those are students. They're not on the frontline workers, but um, that and the hospitals that seemingly are concerned about the shortage. So I'll just say this. I don't think the McKee people know exactly what they want to do about that just yet. That's that's my read on it. He, they don't want a lot of people out of work. But this weekend... 46,000 people in the state have been getting extra money not to work. It's coming to an end. It is coming to an end. And it, it you know, you can tell. Service is bad at places. Restaurant needs work, uh, restaurants need workers. There's so many different industries where they're missing, you know, five to ten people that have been staying home. 46,000 people, it's been party time. And I've gotten a few emails from some of them saying, you know, this is unfair and we need more time. And I, I don't know anyone that falls in that camp that feels, you know, let's continue to pay these people to stay at home. And these are not people on the front lines or anything like that. So everyone else has been working. Everyone needs to work. I don't understand this eviction moratorium fighting and I, I, I don't understand where that's going. You know, the government voted against it in Howard Island. Boy, I mean, it must. it's very challenging to be a landlord because you have so many of these people that as soon as COVID hit, boom, that was the end. Of, I'm not paying rent anymore. Nope, you're not throwing me out. Can't throw me out. I have money. I'm getting extra money, but I'm just not going to pay you the rent because I don't feel like it. I'm going to go to Twin River. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, now listen, it's Friday. They're open until 2 o'clock. Stop it and see them. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Ron and Melissa, 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. Stock up for the weekend. Their hours now are Tuesday through Friday. So they're not open Saturday. They're not open Sunday. And they're not open Monday. But sausage and peppers, Philly cheesesteak calzones, chicken parm calzones, pepperoni and cheese calzones. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Cannolis, brownies, Trump chocolate covered donuts, pizza strips. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Stop in and see them. 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. You can also find them on Facebook. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, again, you want to talk about delicious food. The weekend is here. Stop in and see Shane and his crew at the Centerdale. Centerdale Revival Comfort Food Cocktails, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Free, safe parking, delicious food, great drinks. I'll see you at the Centerdale Revival. And they're also winner of several Rhode Island monthly awards online at thecenterdale.com. And you can also find them on Facebook. So coming up, we are going to talk with uh, Rob Cody. There was a big decision. He filed a complaint in Warwick, this overtime situation. It seems completely outrageous. I don't fully understand it, but uh, they, they have found that they took an, close to 400000 oh, close to four. $100,000 extra money that they shouldn't have been taking. And they're waiting to see exactly what the mayor's going to do about it. I don't know how they don't pay it back, but we're going to talk to Rob. But I was, um, folks, you know, and again, the situation in Warren, we're trying to get more details. I did receive a message from someone that said, see, that's where that club is in Warren is right near the bike path. And some people that um, <clears throat> that I know 
sent me a message that they went to a long bike ride and they stopped at the club. And they figured, you know, it looks like a private club, but let's check it out anyway. So they went in and this man couldn't have been nicer. It was this woman and her her friend or boyfriend and bought them a, uh, some beers that, you know, say, hey, can I buy a round? Gave them two, two brews, gave them another round, uh, chatted with them, said, hey, come back sometime. And and that person was Brian Remy. And it really fits the profile of this individual that we heard about, this man that now we, we don't know. I've heard some mixed things of why he was going there, um, stopping by there. Now, he obviously was familiar with the place uh, based on the fact of the story I heard in other stories. Seems like just a small little private club. But that that situation yesterday in the town of Warren, I mean, and what that turned into, where someone, you know, the 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 man that was then the the alleged gunman, who it I believe he ended up taking his own life. But I've heard he was somewhat troubled. I'll tell you what I've heard. I've heard there was some kind of an argument the day before. Someone also told me it might have had to do with money. I don't know that. But the bartender somehow was troubled. So he shows up and and shoots him and allegedly kills him right there in the club. Wounds another man that escapes outside. The gunman takes off. He lives on Water Street. He's on foot. Police get a description to Bristol police officers in an unmarked vehicle. Spot him and... They hear a popping sound. They can tell his gunfire. I don't know what to make of that. They start to go after him. He's exchanging gunfire with police. It turns into a daylight shootout. And then now I don't know. We don't know. Was he wounded by police? There was a video that showed he possibly could have harmed himself. It's it's tough to tell, folks. Um, but the whole thing yesterday, if you haven't seen it, we were on scene. And then... I had information that it was an off-duty volunteer firefighter, that it was Brian Remy. Uh, but I waited for them to announce it. And then you can see where the other firefighters set up the processional line and they saluted as his, sadly, his body was removed from, from the crime scene. So it was um, it was quite an afternoon, folks. We just never know when out of nowhere... Boom, something like this is um, is going to happen. And as I mentioned, to me, <clears throat> just another example of, you know, these people that I, I, I just think they should be held accountable for this stuff. Like no one holds them accountable for it. You have a state, all these people with the abolish the police and defund the police. What would have happened yesterday? No one asked that. And there are some pretty liberal progressive people over in that East Bay, East Bay area. What would have happened yesterday? You have a gunman on the loose that just killed someone. <clears throat> and law enforcement people tell me that is when someone is really dangerous. Because once they have shot the weapon and he fatally shot someone and wounded someone else, they are... In uncharted territory. They are seemingly, there is no sense of where that thing could, where things could break off. So very chaotic scene. But I want to go back to, there just seems to be with the media never follows up with many of these defund the police, abolish the police clowns that are out there. And there's just such a bias that a sitting state senator can post on social media, I blanking love abortion. And no, well, let's not, no, we're not, she is beyond reproach. We will not ask her about that. We're going to focus on if there were any Trump supporters. You know, I've already heard the media, they're trying to find out. The shooting yesterday in Warren, supposedly the bartender president of the club, we're trying to find out if that guy somehow, I mean, he is white, 
So we're going to find out if somehow, <clears throat> if he in fact was involved or was a Trump supporter. One member of the media said, I'm willing to bet that guy was probably a Trump supporter in some way. So that Michael Ouellette, 37 years old, found dead in an alley. I think he took, him, he took his own life. Um, they're still trying to determine that. It hasn't been a homicide in the town in more than a decade. But that's the way, you know, let's, we're not going to go after the state senator that post, um, that, that, you know what else? I, I can't believe this headline. URI mandates staff vaccination and the students head back to campus. Well, what is the point of that if then 1,000 students checked off without any questions asked? Religious exemption. Which really just means I don't feel like getting or I didn't have time to get the vaccine or whatever it is. And I, I listen, 18 to 22 seems to be safest age range. I'm not even saying that there's a great danger with the college kids. I'm not saying that. But if you're about to fire a healthcare worker who's 22 years old that got a job, who didn't get the vaccine, who's choosing not to, you're going to fire her. But her friends who are 22 and still at URI just check a box, no questions asked, that say religious exemption, and they're good to go. That, to me, that does not seem fair. And it, most importantly, doesn't seem consistent. So, but the media will now say, you know, let's find out. There has to be a tie to the shooter in Warren with the Trump kid. He, he's got to be. Let's the I'm willing to bet he's a Trump supporter, president of the club. Let's there's got to be a picture of him in a MAGA hat. You know, that's the way it, some of not all of them. Hear me out. Not all of them. Some of the reporting yesterday was excellent. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by Jamie's Power Wash. It's Jay Freitas construction. Listen, after the storm. The weather, you want to spend more time outside over these next few weeks, even months. Jamie's Power Wash, they do, he does a tremendous job. Call him 401-837-4545. Pressure wash your vinyl siding, deck staining, remove the dirt, mold, mildew, bugs. Stop in. It's Jamie's Power Wash. All right, folks, joining us on the line right now, he was the whistleblower, I'll call him, from Warwick, where now there has been a discrepancy, as he mentioned, and it's our friend, Rob Cody. Good afternoon, Rob. Good afternoon, John. Always a pleasure to speak with you. First of all, I want to commend you. Uh, Not an easy situation. Uh, You, I like your quotes with the Boston Globe saying that a a teacher doing math could have seen that there was a problem with this, but uh, th- this is really outrageous uh, about this overtime seemingly situation in the city of Warwick. Yes, well, actually not overtime, unused sick oh, pay. Oh, unused sick pay. Okay, go right ahead. That was one of the four schemes, John. The other three haven't been adjudicated as of yet. However, you know, John, to, just to simplify for the audience so they understand this, this was about... Uh, the Warwick Fire Department Union going behind and usurping the legislative branch of government and coming up with the secret side deal, which was completely illegal under Rhode Island state law. So, and also in direct violation of the Warwick City Charter, which dictates that any type of contract negotiations, CBAs, must be presented in public to the legislative branch of government to be ratified. And that also applies to any addendums to any existing uh, uh, collective bargaining agreement. And what the Warwick firefighters did, they manipulated the the mathematical formula in which to be paid out uh, for unused sick time. So to simplify it even more, they get 26 days a year. Out of that 20, whichever they don't, whatever they don't use, they're eligible to be paid 75%. So for example, they use 10 days, they have 10 days unused, they get paid 75% of 10 days or 7.5. But what Ken and I found was that numerous guys, most of them, had multiple sick days, yet they were still getting paid the maximum. So in other words, if you don't take any sick days at all and you have perfect attendance, you get paid for 15 days. 
But we found the vast majority of men took multiple sick days and they were still paid the maximum as if they had perfect attendance. Mm. So that led us into digging in thousands of documents that we had to get through public access, which, as you know, John, it's not easy. They tried to slam the door in our face. But the overwhelming evidence that we calculated was that there was hundreds of thousands of dollars of wrongful payouts. And and what really quantifies this, John, not in excess of these 3,000 documents, in one of the public records requests, I actually received the secret handwritten notes from the fire chief to the bookkeeper on how to gain the system. This is awful, John. All right. This is this is not an accounting error. This is not a misinterpretation. This was a coordinated effort to defraud the taxpayers. And they did it very cleverly and they did it very well. And had it not been for, you know, residents of Warwick that were paying attention, you know, to, to make this public to try to seek restitution, this would still be going on. Mm. You know, folks, again, we're speaking with Rob Cody. Rob, I, I can't believe the amount of money and how long this was going on. And I want to, you know, call out. It's not easy that you not only are, I view you as a community advocate, as a whistleblower, but a good government in, individual. But, but you, you know, you live in the community and have to deal with the, you know, the bad blood that exists from anyone that seemingly blows the whistle on these guys. John, I can tell you this, and you and I have spoken several times, but I have never divulged this. I met with federal authorities on multiple occasions. Right. Well, not just the FBI, Homeland Security, and the Department of Labor Labor Racketeering Fraud. As well as I met with the accounting firm, as so did Ken Block, numerous times for dozens and dozens of hours. We supplied all of the documentation that they used to calculate the exact same numbers, basically, plus or minus a fraction, that Ken and I calculated. By the way, Ken and I did it for free. And now, because of the fire department's illicit criminal behavior, the taxpayers also had to pay this accounting firm $195,000. So, John, this I can tell you this. This report was done in mid-November of 2018. And during that time, I received a phone call from the, the accounting firm, from the individual that was that was handling this, and he asked me, he questioned me about uh, one in, one in, individual who he thought I made a mathematical error. And when I reviewed it, I did. I, I just switched the decimal point, and that was a fractional error which amounted to like $111 and change. So during that time, I said to him, I said, Tom, I said, uh, you know, how close are we with our numbers, the projections that I had given them? And his quote to me was, Rob, we are only pennies away. Pennies. Hmm. And I said, so when are you going to be done with this report? It's been seven months. He says, we're done. He said, we just wanted to quantify this last piece, and it's going to go to the city council. That was in mid-November. I began asking the council president at that time, Councilman Marola, Where's the report? Where's the report? Oh, we're going to release it in December. Not not in December because of the, uh, it's not, no one's paying attention with the holidays. And we'll do it in January, which became February, March, April, May. So finally, it, they buried it. Because at the time, John, as you know, we're getting close to an election. And if the mayor, the interim mayor at that time, Mr. Solomon, had released any bad blood on the fire department, he would have lost union votes. Right. So this whole thing was buried until, interestingly enough, I filed a ethics violation on Councilman Marola because although we had been very close for a long time, he never told me that the accounting firm he hired was his own business accountant huh. and his campaign finance manager. Think of that. He, wow. He failed to tell me that in hundreds of phone calls, hours worth of face-to-face meetings, never told me that. That he had a 20-year relationship with this, with this, and he filtered $195,000 to them. Had I known that, I never would have met with them. So when I filed the ethics violate, the ethics uh, complaint, the ethics complaint came back unanimous, probable cause finding of guilt, 
on August 17th. I received the 30-page investigative report. I got it to Ed Fitzpatrick. It broke, and don't you know, John, 24 hours later, the accounting firm releases the mysterious report that was buried from November of 2018, indicating that, in fact, on scheme number one, that the Warwick firefighters engaged in the theft of $385,875.20 from the taxpayers and the children of the city of Warwick. That is deplorable. And unfortunately, our inept city council and this inept administration is not going to seek restitution. So you have 385 grand, $195,000 to find out what I did for free and what Ken did for free. And there was three other schemes that totaled in excess of a million dollars. So oh. these guys made off with about a million six, John, that I have official city documents that quantify it to the man, to the penny. And this administration, all Democrats in the city walk, with the exception of one fine councilman, Councilman Lattisaw, they are doing nothing. The council president has ignored it. By the way, John, which is very important, the council president, Councilman Stephen McCallister, is my councilman. And in 2016, a week after he declared his run, I sat with him and I showed him all the documents on three different occasions. Every time I got documents from the city, I sat with him. He knew the theft was going on. Hmm. He looked me in the eye and he said, if I get elected, I will put a stop to this. I guarantee you. Shook my hand. I was with two other constituents and he did nothing. I asked him repeatedly, and I've sent all my emails to the feds, um, all my phone calls, text messages that I have, asking him to get me documents. All he had to do was walk into the clerk and say, I want this and this and this document. I'll be back in two days. He refused to do it. So now what is he doing? He takes campaign contributions from the firefighters. The firefighters union held a campaign uh, uh, fundraiser for him, and he's ignored the constituents. And John, furthermore... When he was asked direct questions on the latest fire contract, he was unable to answer the simplest of any questions posed to him by the residents about the financial ramifications of the contract. How is that possible? That's city council president. How is that possible? That's our city council president, John. Oh, and John, I, I might add one other fact. Go ahead. That, by the way, I have official city documents through public records access that can substantiate this if anyone doubts it. They ratified the last fire contract in the absence of proper questioning on January 6th of 2019. On January 6th, on the morning of January 6th, 2019, the council president's brother-in-law was given a job by Mayor Solomon. What? And the finance director's, Timothy Howe, his daughter was given a job on that very day. Ah. In return, they voted John, they held an illegal meeting on December 22nd to try to push the fire contract through without public comment, which was deemed illegal and they were violated by this uh, by the state on the Open Meetings Act. Now, folks, again, we're speaking with Rob Cody. Rob, now I want to ask you, uh, in the Boston Globe story, there was nothing nefarious, says the Firefighter Union president. It was a matter of contract interpretation. What is your reaction to that? John, the most well-renowned and, uh, uh, labor lawyer in Rhode Island, Vin Regusta, yep. got up publicly, went on the air publicly and said this is a violation of state law. This is a violation of the Warwick City Charter, which anybody can read. Just pick it up and read it. Go online and read it. Any type of collective bargaining activity has to be presented to the legislative branch of government before it can be ratified, before taxpayer dollars can be dispersed. The, the Warwick Fire Department union president is delusional and he doesn't understand what law is it was illegal they signed they signed the secret side deal between avadesian's lawyer and the union president and nobody knew about it ken block and i had to dig it up since when is it the responsibility of the taxpayer to make sure that their dollars are being spent correctly it, John, the ineptness on the part of the officials in the city of Walt is staggering. 
What's what's going to happen here? What is the mayor going to do about this amount of money? He's going to buy more Christmas lights and take pictures and post it on Facebook. No, no, no. Seriously. He's not going to do anything about it. He's not going to do anything. They should refund the close to 400000 correct? John, they should refund. I have it broken down every single man to the penny what they took illegally. They should all write a check back to the city, and then they should also make restitution for the $195,000 we had to pay because they didn't believe Rob Cody, right. I'm a bad guy. Yep. They didn't believe Ken Block. Yep. They should have gone to Sister Mary at St. Kevin's, the gal that teaches first grade. Arithmetic. I like she that. She would have done it for free. No, they need to repay that. John, uh, when when you go to a city council meeting, all these thugs get together and they mock you, they harass you, they attempt to threaten you. Now they're caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Mm. And, you, and the politicians are going to back them up because they want their vote. And in fact, John, last Monday night they had a meeting where three members of the city council put together a resolution to the General Assembly to say, hey, you have to take that one line on the overtime that John Edwards wrote from Warren that says firefighters will be paid overtime for hours not work. All we're doing is we're asking you to look at it. Do you know that the city council shot that down seven to two? So I just want to come back to Warwick overpaid firefighters by as much as 386000 You're saying that the amount is actually higher. Will there be restitution as the amount climbs higher? No, John. They're not going to. They, they, they will not even approach this. They will no. not. Ken and I have the documentation. What they did in the 2015 contract. Uh, firefighters for unused vacation were always paid one-fifth of a week's pay. Well, the city council ratified the 2015 contract. I have the contract, the tentative agreement, and the fiscal note. And then afterwards, it goes to the firefighter union president, and he actually imports the new verbiage into the historical contract. And what he did, he changed the one-fifth of unused vacation pay hmm. to one-fourth of unused vacation pay, which was $100,000 of excessive payouts. Ah. All right, Frab, we're going to leave it there. Good work. Listen, the community yeah, sure. still needs it. You were right. I'll say this, folks. He said, Rob Cody said, this was happening, said the amount. They did a full, very extensive study of it, audit, and it was all proven to be true. Rob, your integrity is intact. Keep up the good work. Remember, the people are behind you. Thanks, J.D. All right, folks, there it is, Rob Cody right here. Now, folks, I want to um, also, right now at 1244, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380. And 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. This portion of the program, if you're listening right now, and let's just say that you're having 24-hour emergency trouble, either with your cooling or with plumbing. Folks, RE Cooling and Heating, 24-hour emergency service, 401-732-6562. 401-732-6562. It's Coogie. It's R-E- Coogan and Heating. It's the Coogan Point. Look for him also on Facebook. The guy is terrific. Big supporter of uh, of law enforcement. And also, he is a veteran. RECooganHeating.com. Look for them on Facebook. Helpful trustworthy, reliable. As Coog says, explore our service. Plumbing, heating, and cooling. Let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. R.E. Coogan and Heating. Folks, I want to refer you to visit the website, depetro.com, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-D-E-R-O.com, which is brought by the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. A great meal, something on the menu for everyone. They're open seven days a week, biggest bar in Rhode Island, the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. Now, I am hearing, and I don't know if this is, uh, I don't know if this is real I don't know if this is gamesmanship, but as many people know, Governor McKee has set a deadline of October 1st for the healthcare workers to be vaccinated. And right now, he has been saying that that is firm. And he and Dr. Scott are also saying, by the way, that the hospitals are dictating that.
I noticed yesterday that they're trying to pass it off more of like, hey, listen, we're not the bad guy here. It's the hospitals that wants all the healthcare workers vaccinated. Now, word is trickling out, and I don't know whether or not, I don't know if this is gamesmanship, if this is they're just trying to scare many of the people, which shouldn't be done. But I am hearing that their meetings, they're preparing that they may bring in people from out of state. And they're going to work. And what I'm hearing from someone is that they may actually end up pay them more money, which seems very unfair. So very, very unfair that this is happening. Now, again, I don't know if this is just, you know, and I, I'm, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be cavalier about this when I say gamesmanship. Because I recognize how much is on the line for many people. And they're having a protest tomorrow at Rhode Island Hospital. And they're going to protest the governor at Waterfire on Saturday night. So, but I notice that they seem to think that these are holdouts, but they just need a little nudge. That's, I'm just, and again, I want to caution people. Let's not kill the messenger here. But, for instance... I know in North Providence, I think Mayor Charlie Lombardi said there were a number of firefighters and they weren't vaccinated. And when we told them, if you're not vaccinated, you lose your job, it cut the number in half. They went and got vaccinated. So uh, there seems to be a feeling uh, or an attitude, whatever you want, however you want to describe it. But there, there seems to be that. You really just need to kind of like hold people's feet to the fire. Um, You know, you need to tell them, hold firm and and say that 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 seems to be their attitude. As I as I've been saying, I haven't heard of any type of meeting. They haven't done any type of town hall meeting. There's certainly the number of protests have built up. They they the Department of Health. You know, the governor, they're saying they're just doing what the hospitals want them to do. So uh, that, you know, but I'm also saying masks are now required while indoors on Block Island. I mean, Block Island is small. Block Island can do that. Block Island is deciding to do that. Um, I think so. I'm looking at I think it was Channel 12 then that did the story. Majority of Rhode Island police fire personnel are fully vaccinated. Um, They're encouraging them to get vaccinated by October 1st and requiring state health care workers to be fully um, immunized by October 1st. So a lot of people don't like this vaccine mandate. And I also want to say many people say I'm not anti-vax. I just don't like the mandate. But I think this quote is interesting. North Providence Mayor Charlie Lombardi said there are currently 20 firefighters who remain unvaccinated. He said a memo was sent out Tuesday warning those who are unvaccinated, you're terminated if you're not fully uh, immunized by October 1st. And now listen to this quote. Within a few hours, 10 of those 20 made an appointment to be vaccinated. So, folks, that leads me to believe, you know, they feel he didn't say I sat down and said, hear me out. Is there some exemption I should know about? He said, we, you know, this is the mayor of North Providence now. We had 20 that were not vaccinated. We sent out a memo and boom, within a few hours, we cut the number in half. So I don't know. I don't know if this is a scare tactic. I don't know if they are purposely trying to do this in order to basically intimidate people now. I'm also seeing, by the way, um, for instance, you know, certain departments have a lot of people vaccinated. Charlestown, I didn't know, they have 26 police officers in the town of Charlestown. 21 are vaccinated, five are not. But in the city of Cranston, where they say, well, they have 153 officers, 65 are vaccinated, 88 are not. I haven't heard anything about what's happening with that. 
Hopkinton, there are 14 police. They claim all 14 are vaccinated. Johnston, they have 66 police officers, 46 are vaccinated, 20 are not. Little Compton has 10 police, all 10 are vaccinated. So, and then a few others have percentages and then some have not given. Woodsocket, they have 92 police officers, 52 are vaccinated, 40 are not. Um, let's also just check. Uh, some did not respond to, you know, the news trying to get this information. Burville has 25 police officers, 19 vaccinated, six are not. And then you have the fire departments. Um, this is a big number. Cranston has 180 firefighters. 39 are not vaccinated. 141 are. Um, what's another big number? North Providence. Oh, they're, they're, and they're cutting that in half, this claiming. Now, I don't know what the situation is in Cranston. We'll see how that one develops or where it it comes out. But Cranston right now has a high number of police in fire that are not. Um, but my point is, notice like Mayor Lombardi didn't say, I wanted to sit with them and hear them out. Memo sent out, end of story. So the fact that they're threatening, they're going to bring people in because the healthcare people are saying, well, there's a lot of, you're going to have a healthcare shortage. So now the hospitals are countering and saying, well, then we're going to bring in outside people. So there's nothing good about this. Uh, I'll say this, folks, at, um, at 1253. You know, we've heard so much about community meetings. And we got to reach out to the illegals and hear them out and explain to them to get tested, to get vaccinated. Basically bending over backwards for a lot of the illegals that have um, come into the state. I haven't heard not one town hall meeting or meeting with the governor and Dr. Scott with many of these frontline healthcare workers. So they, they can't say that they have extended the same. Maybe for whatever reason, they have decided not to do anything like that. Um, they, they decided not to sit down with them, hear them out. It's, it's really, and now starting to put out rumors because I know a lot of the healthcare workers. I also noticed yesterday, Governor McKee said he spoke to the head of the firefighters union. But he didn't say that he spoke to one of the leaders regarding the healthcare workers. So, and I've spoken with a number of the healthcare workers, some who are vaccinated and they don't like the vaccine mandate. And as I, <clears throat> as I have been saying, I think it's very unfair that what they've done at URI, where they just allow the students to the honor system, check it off. And I recognize it's not the same thing. The students are not going in to hospitals. The students are not going in to deal with um, elderly and so forth, home health care or anything like that. The CNAs, but, but it's just the, the principle of that does not seem fair. They seem, I'll say it, they seem to be bullying the health care workers. They do. They don't want to listen. They won't meet they won't do a town hall meeting. Um, the illegals get a lot of things handed over, bend over backwards. They have special messages delivered to them in their native tongue. Healthcare workers, get vaccinated or you're out. Seems very, very unfair. I, I, I believe they should have been meetings, hear people out, answer some of their questions. Maybe some of their fears could have been alleviated. Because I think some of the fears are unfounded. A lot of people are, you know, are coming up with information that I'm just not convinced that it's accurate. And so then that's just leading to more anxiety. Folks, speaking of anxiety, if you or someone, a friend or a coworker, 
family member was in an accident, slip and fall, workplace injury, domestic abuse, dog bite. Folks, fight back. Call Jack. Jack Calvino. 401-785-9400. You need a fighter. Fight back. Call Jack. You are entitled to be compensated. Fight back. Call Jack. 401-785-9400. Auto accident, motorcycle accident, slip and fall, workplace injury, domestic abuse, dog bite. Fight back. Call Jack. 401-785-9400. Or online at fightbackcalljack.com. You are entitled to be compensated for your injuries. Unfortunately, you need a fighter. Fight back, call Jack, 401-785-9400 or online at fightbackcalljack.com. Folks, good afternoon. It's Juan. It's John DePietro. This portion of the show is brought to you by State Towing Service. Remember, 24-hour towing auto sales and repair, especially if you're a landlord and some deadbeats are parking on your property. I know who to call, Michael Salvatore and the crew. 401-331-0925, Valley Street in Providence. Big supporters of law enforcement, state towing service, auto sales and repair. And, And let me tell you, that could be a reality TV show what they get involved with and the stuff they have to get involved with. So, folks, next hour. Now, again, we go until 2 o'clock. Remember, next hour is radio only. Uh, Coming up, we will get um, the 1 o'clock news. And on top of that, we will continue into next hour. So as we're getting ready to kick off the Labor Day weekend. But, again, report. Uh, repeating, I should say, uh, big stories. That, that, is, uh, that is concerning, but I think it's under the guise, you know, it could be one of two things. Either they are making a contingency plan or, in fact, they are instead, um, they mean, you know, it could be, could be that they're just um, jockeying for position. Governor McKee was asked at a meeting. I find it very interesting, the politics of this, that Governor McKee did talk with the head of the firefighters union, but he's not talking to the people with the healthcare workers about being vaccinated and the vaccine mandate. He doesn't want the firefighters union coming after him. I think maybe they regard it that a lot of the healthcare people not as well organized as the firefighters union. So we'll have more on that, more on the situation in Warren, and also, by the way, folks, President Trump is in the news, and things are moving up rapidly. It's John DePietro on this Friday. Folks, the power hour's next. Stay with us. What we're going to do is let's get the latest with the 1 o'clock news, and then we have another hour to go right here on the John DePietro Show.